Praise God. A couple of last messages or so, two out of the last three or so, have been based on uh, some requests, actually. Can you do a message on this, you know? And I got a uh, text from a brother uh, that said, hey, it'd be great if you could preach on this someday, I hope. And it was something that was on, been on my heart off and on for a while. I've actually built up some notes on it. And I thought, oh, you know what? That might be a good time to do this on this Wednesday evening. And I want to do a message on your and my and our tongues, right? Uh, the Bible talks about the tongue being a wild, like a wild animal, like a snake, like a rudder in James 3 that kind of controls where you go. Uh, a big old ship, I mean, how do you steer those things? A little rudder can affect the whole, you know, a, a cargo ship, a cruise ship. A little tiny rudder compares it to the tongue. The tongue has a f- huge effect in your life. The tongue talk, in James, it talks about how the tongue is like, you know, the poison of a snake can be deadly. Uh, we're told in the scripture that the tongue in James chapter 3 as well can be used for cursing or blessing. And it ought to be consistent the way it's used in your life. In fact, that whole section in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 10, even a little bit after that, uh, starts off by saying, let not many of you seek to be teachers, for you shall receive a harsher or stricter or incure a harsher or stricter judgment. And then it goes into watching the tongue. And it's very important that we understand that God is really concerned, the Lord God is really concerned at how we use our tongues. Amen? And whether we're building people up or we're destroying people, whether we have uh, encouraging, beautiful speech, or whether we have evil, discouraging speech. And this is important. And the body of Christ really needs this today. Because not only do people not preach on the evils of the tongue very often, oftentimes because they don't want to offend some of the people in the fellowship who are known as gossips or have bad language uh, or what have you. Uh, Actually, a lot of pastors to be hip or to attract younger crowds or bigger crowds resorted to cussing in the pulpit, known as the cussing pastors, you know. Uh, Some of them come to my mind right now, you know, and... Uh, and I remember one gal who's much older now, lives in another state, was struck because the guy that she was seeing at the time, and she didn't end up seeing him too long uh, as an interest, as a potential husband. Uh, he is professing Christian, but he had a lot of really bad language. And she's like, she, she would kind of, you know, kind of there was some friction because of that. And she was going to a large church in town back then before she moved with him for a little bit, coming here too, but we'd go to his church. And then the pastor used some bad language from the pulpit. And then he looked at her and said, see, he does it. And uh, everybody remember Driscoll? Am I thinking the right guy right now? You know, he was known for being the cussing pastor, you know. Even John Piper uh, doing a conference, used out some colorful language, some bad words. He got uh, some flack for it, and Piper came out and said he was sorry. He did apologize for it. So he was trying to relate to the young people, you know. And then he said that he had repented of it. He shouldn't have done that. Uh, but how many thousands potentially of pastors are talking like that in their private life or the pulpit and setting a bad tone for the fellowship, for the body of Christ? The Bible says not to be conformed 
to this world, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, amen? You know, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices. Don't let the world, it says, squeeze you into its mold. And the tendency for us as believers sometimes can be, if we're not being serious about following Jesus and, and being what he's called us to be and, 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 and watching our words is to conform to the world to fit in so we don't look uncool or what have you. I'd rather be cool with God than cool with the world. Amen? And you can't be cool with both. Okay? And if you're not cool with God, it gets really, really, really hot later. Amen? So I want to be right with God, and we all want to be right with the Lord, hopefully. That's why we're here. And we need to be careful. So I want to encourage you to examine your, your tongue. And, in, and in, by examining your tongue, you're going to examine your heart. By the way, how does a doctor, I don't know if they do this anymore. It hasn't happened to me for years, but when I was a little kid, the doctor would say what? Stick out your what? Tongue. Stick out your tongue. And by sticking out your tongue, I supposed when I was a little kid, he could tell a lot of other things that were wrong with you, Right? I didn't know what he was looking for, but I thought, I guess he could tell I got some problems if I had problems by looking at my tongue. First thing you want, stick out your tongue. Uh, presses the tongue down, looks at it, looks at your tonsils, and so forth, looks at your mouth. Well, that's actually very biblical when it comes to our spirituality. God looks at our tongues, and he reveals to us that our tongues tell us where our heart's at. That's why these types of messages should be very, very convicting. In fact, Proverbs 6.12 says, a troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a, speaks of a troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth. So, so, you know, a mouth that's corrupt is often telltale of a corrupt person, a troublemaker or a villain. That's interesting, I think. 1 Peter 3.10 states that we're, quote, it says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil. And their lips from deceitful speech. Do you want to love life and see good days? They keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. He commands us to keep our mouth free of obscene words in the scripture. From cursing and profanity and destructive speech. You know? And right now, I mean, the Holy Spirit is hopefully working on each of us. Maybe you had a time recently where you slipped up. You said something you shouldn't have said, you know. But yeah, like, just like the doctor, stick out your tongue. Ah, he can see something's wrong. Does they, do they do that anymore? Anybody in the medical field? That, do they still do that sometimes? All right. Well, how long ago have you been a doctor? Just three months ago. So they still do that. I need to go to the doctors more. Well, Lord, help me not do that too much. Uh, <laughs> watch what you pray for, you know. Uh, but yeah, they just did it, right? Wow. So God looks at our tongues, and we should look at our tongues. In fact, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you're concerned about your heart and your tongue. How did I know that? Who was the one that got to see right into God's throne room? And he saw the seraphim, the holy angels, right? Flying with two wings, covering their feet with two wings, with, you know, two wings covering their faces because they're in the presence of the Almighty God and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah. Do you think, by the way, any of those angels were using cuss words in between those words? No, no man, and why should we? Yeah. And Isaiah sees this going on. And Isaiah, Isaiah had just been pronouncing judgment on the wicked in chapter five. Remember that context? Woe to those who get up in the morning and get drunk. 
What are those who have parties and have all kinds of music, but they don't mention me in their music? <laughs> That's the, a lot of the church today. You know, God wants to be honored and glorified as the one, he, for the honor he deserves. He created you, gave you life, amen? And he pronounces these woes for those who steal other people's lands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But what happens when he's in the very presence, he views the very presence of God, he sees the Holy Seraphim praising God. Woe is me. And, but what does he say right after? Now he pronounces judgment on himself. I'm in trouble. What's the first thing he mentions as to why he's in trouble? Amen. You guys know it. I'm a man of what? Unclean lips. And I dwell with a people of unclean lips. That is heavy, brothers and sisters. That means when you seek the Lord in prayer and you're crying out to him and, and you got a potty mouth and, and, the, and the great physician looks in your, your tongue and says, you got a potty mouth. Then you need to say, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Help me. Have mercy on me. And what did the Lord do? He sent an angel to take with one of the tongs a, a coal, a hot burning coal from the fire and touch it on his lips, right? To purify his lips, which is a picture because the altar is where the sacrifices would take place, which would a picture ultimately of the sacrifice of Jesus, right? Who takes away our sins, amen? amen. And it's through Christ and being touched by him that our lips and our tongues can be changed, amen? amen. What about Peter? He thought Jesus, man, look, Jesus just taught him how to fish, right? I mean, he pulls up this huge amount of fish, and then he recognizes who Jesus is. And what does he say? Anybody remember? What's that? Yeah. I'm a sinner, right? He knew he had, he's a rugged fisherman. He had sinful lips. He had a sinful heart. He needed, he needed to be right with the Lord. And he recognized, if I'm going to be presence of the Lord, I need to be holy. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Without holiness, no one will what? No one will see the Lord. That's serious stuff. That's scary for millions of professing Christians who don't even like the word holiness, many Christians, you know? Holiness. Now cramp my style. Wow, the Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a word that we need to use in our vocabulary, and it should be in the depths of our heart. The Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. The world hates holiness, man. They hate the holy God. They crucified Jesus, amen? The one who is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But when we get in the presence of God, it should have a transforming effect on us. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and he's talking about the new man here. He's talking about what it means to be new in Christ. He's telling the church of Colossae, which most of them had been a bunch of pagans, Gentile pagans, not that there weren't some Jews among them, but a lot of pagans were there, and they were Gentiles that were, you know, had their own code of ethics, their own music, their own words, their own ways they express themselves. And he talks about how they're supposed to put off the new man and put on the old man. And he says in chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also, uh, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. The members of your earthly body, hands, feet, tongue, your eyes, consider them dead to, to immorality, to sin. Verse 6, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. 
And in them, you also what? Once walked. When you were living in them. Verse 8 though. But now you what? Also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your what? From your mouth. Now it's interesting. What heads up that list? This is important. Anger, right? And the other things we read in there are basically have their root in anger. Anger can express itself with wrath, right? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Amen? So we have to be very, very careful that when you get upset about something, first of all, you want to make sure you're not angry over something that you shouldn't be angry over. And if it's a godly or righteous anger, then you want to make sure you don't sin in your anger. Amen? But it moves you to prayer, prayer or maybe to kind correction with someone who's hurting somebody else, but not to wrath, not to malice, which is hatred, not to slander, mocking other people. You know, uh, and abusive speech, speech that tears other people down. Keep them from your what? Your mouth. Do not lie to one another. That's from the mouth too. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and put on what? You put on a new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a what? Heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Notice the list starts with Anger in verse 8 and all these things that proceed from anger. Notice in the last verse I read, verse 12, those who are chosen by God, right? There's put on a heart of what? Compassion instead of anger. You're supposed to be compassionate. When someone does something worthy of you being angry, okay, maybe you will get, you get upset. You're like, okay, I can't be mad at this person. I didn't realize that I was lost like that person. It's by God's grace that I'm saved. I should be damned to hell. Probably more than that person. In my case, I know that's true typically. When I look at my past before I was a Christian, it's easy for me to say, I'm sure I was worse than that guy. I felt like I was the chief of sinners, you know. Paul was, so I know that's not my mantle. But I was right up there, at least in my own heart. God convicted me radically. Uh, and you know what? I think that's true of all of us. We can all feel like the chief of sinners at times, right? When God really shows us, that's how Isaiah felt for a bit there, right? That's how Peter felt when he was confronted by the Lord. And it says, out of this heart of compassion comes what? It's supposed to come kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, guys. This is beautiful. Beyond all these things, put on what? Love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now, Satan is a fallen angel. He's a slanderer. Diabolos means accuser or slander. Devil, the word for devil. And the seraphim, man, they didn't become like that. Their mouths weren't corrupted. They continue to worship God and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I can guarantee you in heaven, you don't have angels walking around using filthy language and cussing. Amen? Amen. You don't. And this is a very basic message on your mouth. And what it means to be a Christian is to have a clean mouth, not a potty mouth. If we have a potty mouth, we're in trouble. We need to repent. We need to get right with the Lord. I say this in love. I love you guys. Okay? And we got to be careful. I mean, there should be some words that are non-negotiable and some ways of speaking that are non-negotiable in your heart, in your family. My wife and I, I mean, from the get-go, the D word is never on our list ever since we've been Christians. 
and married. We don't talk about divorce. It's not on our list because it's not an option for us. So we don't go there. So it's not a word we use, you know? Okay? We don't, have, uh, we don't even have to have a list of certain words that we don't use. Okay? Uh, there's words that I'm sure I deserve to be called, you know, when we're newly married, you know? <laughs> And she wasn't probably free of using them perfectly, or other, either was I early on when you really get in a tiff, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm a pretty transparent guy. But uh, right away, when you're newly married, you say things, you, anybody say things when you're married that you regretted later? Yes. You know? Am I the only one? Okay. And we, but, but it's not normative, hopefully, right? Right? And then when it happens, hopefully you repent of it, right? Amen. And then hopefully you deal with it and say, Lord God, Help me never, ever, you know, call him a jerk again. <laughs> or her, you know, uh, a jerk or whatever, you know. Uh, but in the heat of the moment, this is where you have to be careful. In the heat of the moment, you have to be very careful because when there's certain stresses upon you, you can tend to give in to certain things that you wouldn't typically give in to, right? And that's why it's important to have non-negotiables. That's why it's important to have uh, places you don't go, you know? I mean, I can say by the grace of God for years and years and years and years and years, by the grace of God, I don't even remember an issue coming up where there's, you know, and before that, it was not an ever a normative thing in my walk with God and, and Lisa's walk with God, but it should come to the point in your walk with God where it's not something that you never even see again. Not saying you won't be tempted, not saying you won't fall short, but it can't be normative as a Christian, amen? Abusive speech, destructive speech, Bad language should be not even mentioned among us, but if it crops up, it better be the exception. And then if it's the exception that comes in a blue moon, it shouldn't be, you should say, oh, it can, I'm not giving a license, oh, it should be a blue, once in a blue moon only. No, you should cut it out altogether. Amen. But to be real with you, if it comes up, it, hopefully it's not a normal part of your life. And if it is, you need to repent. Amen? You got to turn from it. Quit justifying it. What are you worried about? Are you more concerned about what people will think of you than the Lord? And by the way, deep down, people think more highly of you if you're not trying to use colorful language around them, especially if they know you claim to be a Christian. Because like I tell you right now, they're thinking, that guy claims to be a Christian and talks like that. Now, I can't give you a list because God doesn't give us a specific list of words you can say, words you can't say, and what have you. And by the way, the changes from culture to culture to a degree. Some words that are considered very dirty over here aren't considered bad words in other cultures, other countries. Vice versa, some words that are considered bad words over there aren't considered bad words over here. Isn't that weird how that works? So that means you have to look at the cultural norm and what do people consider offensive? Some people want to look at the etymology. Well, this word deep down, it's really not a bad word because look at what it meant originally. Da, da, da. Well, how was it used today? That's a big question, amen? amen? How do people, do people see that word as obscene today? Are they offended by it today? And that should have an impact on what words we use and what words we don't use. Are you with me? Yes, so, verse 8. But now, also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. The English Standard Version says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Obscene talk from your mouth. The NIV puts it this way. Same verse. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. The New Living Translation says, but now 
This is a time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Okay? The Bible doesn't, we're not supposed to use filthy or dirty language. Bad words that, that are just gutter for the gutter. You know, and it's very, very important that we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts in this because I really believe that the Lord wants us all to grow in this area. Amen? And to be strengthened in this area. And I don't, don't care where you're at and how good you're doing, we can always grow because we can always use our words more carefully to build people up. Amen? To praise the Lord, to be an encouragement, uh, to be a blessing, and so forth. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 10, if you could go there. James 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, and that's that whole chapter, man. It's amazing about the mouth, the tongue, right? In fact, we're going to focus on verse 10, but let's look at verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such you will incur a stricter judgment. That's why every time I come into this pulpit, I don't think I've ever, ever missed a time by the grace of God. I cry out to God, Lord, help me, use me to your glory to build up your saints and to be true to your word, those types of prayers. And often I pray several times before I get into the pulpit. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Now if we put the bits into horses' mouths, bits are really small, right? So that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. The tongue, man, it boasts great things because it can affect, just like a cruise liner by a little rudder, or, you know, he's using powerful pictures here. I mean, think of how many people were killed because a little tongue of Adolf Hitler. Six million Jews, but over 50 million people died in World War II because of that guy's tongue. It was demonically inspired. In fact, look at the last part of verse uh, 5. See how great a force is set afire by such a small, or flame by such a small fire. A spark or a little fire can cause a huge, destructive, little tiny spark, man. A little tiny flame can causes this huge fire that kills all kinds of lives, destroys all kinds of wildlife, destroys, destroys all kinds of beautiful trees. And that's what happens with professing Christians when they misuse their tongue because they're angry, because they're upset, because they're jealous, because they're enraged or whatever. And you have to be careful. Are you one of those professing Christians who's always talking bad about other people and always cutting people down, trying to exalt yourself for whatever reasons? That's not right. God sees that. It breaks his heart. You need to realize that's sin, that God wants you to encourage others, build each other up, love each other. Amen? Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. Man, I wish we had time to just go through this verse by verse, slow, slow down, but I want to cover a lot of verses. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by what? Hell. Set on fire by hell. Your tongue can be set on fire by hell. Jesus is going to the cross. I'm going to the cross. Peter says, you know, far be it from you. You're not, that's not going to happen. Not going to let it happen, Peter. Jesus, basically. Something like that, right? Paraphrasing him. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, you. Get behind me, Satan. He was being an adversary there. And he was actually lining himself up with the will of the adversary, Satan. In fact, it's translated often, get behind me, Satan. 
You have to make sure that the words you say are not being used by the enemy. And what's heavy about that is Peter was taking a pious stance as though he was speaking righteousness. He was speaking contrary to the will of the Lord. So we can even be sanctimonious in speech that's actually destructive, contrary to God's plan. We could actually think we're high and mighty the way we're talking and denouncing another person whom we should be praying for and loving and encouraging. And if that's your habit, you're constantly spewing poison at everybody and putting everybody down to exalt yourself, that's a radical sin, man. you got to get right with the Lord. Amen? He says in verse 7, For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But look at verse 8. But no one can what? Tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Wow. We get a few more people doing that same time as us, Israel. We have a, a whistling choir here, man. That was kind of funny. <laughs> I know, it was great, man. Uh, but you know what? That's, that's a heavy verse, man. You're t- poison kills. Poison. You ever see somebody poisoned by a rattlesnake bite? Or by ingesting something that was deadly? It's wicked. That's what the tongue does to people spiritually and also sometimes physically. With it, I, look at verse 9 though. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we what? Curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Cursing men can be used of actually pronouncing a curse. I hope you die. I hope you rot in hell. Those kinds of things. Or just using bad language, which can have the same kind of effect. People say, blank off, stuff like that. It's basically the same kind of deal going on with bad language. That's why when you hear the word cursing, sometimes it literally means telling someone to go to hell type of thing and cursing them hoping that they're supernaturally damned in some way, or it's also used uh, of using bad language, because often these things go together. And the Bible is against cursing, whether it's using evil speech, language, or pronouncing curses upon people. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things what? That's right. Amen, Israel, are not to be this way. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives on a vine, produce figs, or nor can salt water produce fresh? Okay? You don't come to a, a freshwater spring and get salt water and vice versa from the same spring. If you're claiming to be a Christian, there ought not be inconsistency in what comes out of your mouth. It shouldn't be that when you're around your brothers and sisters, it's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, God is so good. Hallelujah, amen, praise God, that's, amen. And then at home... Or at work, you're a totally different person and nobody would recognize your language. Amen? Hey, if you're saying, man, why did I come here tonight? It's really convicting. Praise God. When Isaiah got in the presence of the Lord, what happened? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Woo! He didn't say, I'm never going back. Lord, again, no. He said, you know what? Thank you for cleansing me. I want to be in your presence forever, Lord. And Peter said, depart from me at first, right? But then he realized, man, I need to be, I'm a sinful man. I need to, and then he gets right with the Lord instead. And he invites us to get right with him. He wants to heal us. So I'm not condemning you. I'm encouraging you. Okay? I'm encouraging you to make sure if that's where your life is at right now, you repent. You know what? There's souls on the line. And you could win a lot more souls. The Bible talks about the soul winner is wise. And if you're a wise soul winner, you'll watch your tongue. you watch your mouth. Amen? He won't turn people away from Jesus. By the way, children, man, they, they can imitate, right? 
other kids all the time. You got to make sure they're not imitating your parent, their parents. Amen. And I was driving with one of my grandkids, and uh, actually a couple of my grandkids, and one of them had no clue what he heard another kid say was bad. And he just said something, and I was like, "He's spending the night at my house at Lisa's, and we were driving to church that morning. That's the night, the morning I saw him with." Uh, you guys saw him if he came in here. They're both pitter pattering in their bare feet because pop up didn't get their shoes on. But actually, all I had was their cleats because of football practice, football, so we just didn't put cleats on them. But anyway, they're like, he said something playfully, out loud, just playing around. I was like, wait, what did you say? And I'm like, I shouldn't have said, what do you say? But I want to know what he said. <laughs> and then I spent another next six, seven minutes driving to church saying, you can't say that. And then I thought the more I said, you can't say that, the more he might be tempted to say that. So I told him what that means a little bit, okay? And he was like, and then... Two or three times later in the day, pop up. I had no idea that that's what that meant. Big sauce rise. I know, buddy. Give him a hug. No problem. You just now you know. That's why you just don't say things when you hear them. You know, and you don't know how people take certain things we say, certain expressions, right? And there's certain words that you don't consider bad at all, but somebody else might, might consider bad, right? And but if if the normal populace considers a cuss word, mm, I would say drop it from your language. Amen. Unless it's the word Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Because that's been made a cuss word by the world. Then we, we exalt his name. In fact, sometimes when I used to be in the secular word f- workforce, because now I've, obviously as a pastor, I'm always around believers typically, so I still hear this expression sometimes. Jesus, you know, then they'll say what they think is his last name, you know, Christ, which is not his last name, but they'll say that. And I'll just say, is Lord, is Lord. Hey, that could offend them. Well, I'm offended. And let's set the record straight. He's Lord, amen? They're going to be confessing his name forever, by the way, you know? And a sister was just sharing with me uh, a similar uh, way. Uh, her friend corrects people with another term, which I thought was funny because we had that discussion recently. And it's interesting because James is saying it shouldn't be this way. And it's important. And the first half of James 3 really deals with this. And as Christians, man, he's talking about what comes out of the heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it come the springs of life. Amen? Amen. And if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and love us, then the, the Holy Spirit's words that are encouraged by the Holy Spirit, right? Spirit-filled words will come out of our hearts. But if we get in the flesh and we aren't walking in the Spirit, and walking in the flesh, man, you're going to have a potty mouth. Again, your mouth shows you where your heart is at. Okay? Psalm 109 verse 28 says, let them curse, but you will bless. Talking about the wicked. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I love that because it tells us not what to do, but also tells us what we ought to be doing with our tongues. Amen. So if you focus on being a blessing to people and praying for them, the wicked too. Amen. Because in the context of blessing people in Romans 12, and in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's talking about blessing those who treat you badly and not cursing them. Amen? So pray for people. Use your mouth in a positive, encouraging way that God would bless them. And well, I, should the wicked be blessed? Well, you know how God blessed the wicked? Rain and sunshine. Rain, sunshine, just as he does on the just and the unjust, right? But also, guess what? It's his goodness that leads people to what? Repentance. Repentance. Amen? So we want them to see God's goodness. 
And we want to see them to see God's goodness reflected in us. And God's blessing of them is convicting them of their sin, right? And their need for Jesus and the sharing of the gospel. So I want them to hear the gospel. I'm glad that God wanted to bless me even though I deserve to be cursed. Amen? So cursing is basically the fruit of a wicked heart. In Romans 3.14, it says, Of the wicked, the lost, who don't know God, it says, Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Do you understand what it's saying there? Their, their mouths are filled with, you know, curses and bitterness. So if our mouths, and the, and the great physician says, stick out our tongues, and all he sees is bitterness and curses, that's reflective of an unregenerate heart. A heart, a heart that either hasn't been changed by the Spirit of God and regenerated, or one who has been back, is backslidden and has forgotten that he's been saved from his past sins and has returned to his vomit. It's not a mouth that's congruent with walking with Jesus. Amen? Amen? If you say you know him and walk in darkness, the scriptures say in 1 John, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Amen? Amen. And you're not going to get easy believism from this pulpit. You're going to get truth because the Lord wants us to be right with him. Amen? He doesn't want us to, you know, the, the, the road to hell is paved with excuses. It really is. There's a lot of people excusing themselves in hell whose hearts are filled with bitterness, rage, and anger, are cussing up a storm, cursing people. And, and at night they go to bed thinking they're right with Jesus. They're in for a rude awakening. Amen? Many will hear, I never knew you. Depart from me. We want to make sure we're born again. Now, I'm not saying that if you've fallen short in your speech at times, that that's you. But I'm saying if it's a habit, right? And you continue to just spew wickedness, and hatred toward people, and there's no check, and there's no conviction, and there's no desire to change, you're just going down that route, then that mm, looks like it's either you haven't been born again, or you're backslidden, and you need to get right. Okay? But if it's the exception and not the rule, and it's something, man, I don't want to do that. Sometimes I fall short in that area. Well, welcome to the Christian faith. Now let's grow together, amen? Let's become more like Jesus, amen? amen. So, are you still with me even this far? Oh, yes. Okay, good. Praise God. Now let's go to... Uh, second, or go to Ephesians chapter 4. Again, now, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, he's talking about what the new man is supposed to look like. And then he's talking about walking congruently with the new person that you are. In Ephesians, he emphasized a lot about putting on the new man and it, because it's a continuous, we have become new in Christ. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation, the Bible says, right? Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things pass away, all things become new. But guess what? According to uh, Ephesians 4 and other passages, we continue to grow into his likeness. Amen? Now we know in Ephesians, or in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, uh, he says very clearly that those who belong to Christ have crucified right, their flesh with his affections and desires. So coming to Christ, you take up your cross, you crucify that old man. You say, I'm not walking that evil path, that broad road of destruction anymore. I'm taking up my cross following Jesus now. Amen? That's what you're doing. As a Christian, that's who you are now. But you need to continue to grow and put off the old man, right? Put off, it's like, he, he, it's almost like putting off clothes the way Paul describes it, right? Put off those old scummy clothes and put on the new clothes that shine the light of Christ, the new life, which includes in Ephesians, the armor of God, actually. Now, which we don't have time to really get into that. But if you go to Ephesians, and everybody's probably there but me, but if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse twenty. 24, and put on the new self. Put on the new self. 
That's right after it says being renewed in the spirit of your mind in verse 23. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. There it is again. Has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, that's false speech, bad speech, lies. Speak truth, each one to you uh, with his neighbor. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members for, of one another. We're members of the same body as Christians. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning don't just let your anger reside and then let it bubble into spewing bad words and, or spewing corrupt speech or condemning everybody around you because you're hurt. No, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning deal with the situation in a mature, biblical, Christ-like way. Amen? Father God, help us to do this in Jesus' name. Please, Father. Because I've seen, man, anger destroy marriages. I've done a lot of marriage counseling through the years. And guess what? Because I'm married, I know what anger could do. I remember when I was newly married. I remember my wife and I were newly married, and we got some, man, humdinger of a fight, man. I mean, times where we got in tits where we're just totally disagreeing with each other, saying things we both regretted, you know. And like, couldn't even believe we went certain areas in the way we talked to each other, so upset with each other. And then, but I noticed, and let's be honest with you, I remember when in some of those early tiffs when we were arguing, when we were newly married at times. And it wasn't normative, but it happened from time to time. And it was like painful because guess what? I remember not even hearing what she's saying at a certain point, thinking what I'm going to say next because I was so upset and so sure I was right. And, and if I would have listened better, be, be quick to hear and slow to what? Speak, right? The anger of man doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires, right? Instead of going back at her, trying to get her to understand and not hear and not listening. And what happens is that you, those things could boil over. It could end up being destructive. But by the grace of God, I remember early on in my Christian walk as a married man, I remember during those tiffs early on, I'd pray, God, help me my speech be right. God, help me not say anything I'm going to regret. Lord God, help her too. Help us not to go to a place where, you know, we don't even want to sleep in the same room. You know, and by the grace of God, I don't remember a night where we didn't sleep in the same room. Okay, but I'll tell you what, in my heart, you know what, you could get to a place, because uh, I've seen people get there. And I was like, let that never happen to us, Lord. But guess what? Doesn't mean we were sinless, right? Because I was already at a place praying that because of the place where I felt convicted that I'd gone too far or she'd gone too far. We'd both gone too far in the way we're communicating because we're getting up here, you know, getting a, raising our voices and so forth. And we have one of our rules that I've had, and she agrees with it for years and years and years. We don't get up here, Okay. My wife comes from a household, and I come from a household where we all got up there before we were saved. She comes from a, her household, man. I was already a Christian for a while, so when I came to her household, and they, they get loud, man. Italians, you know. It's like, wow, man. And they use their hands, too. And if there's pans in their hands, it's very dangerous, you know. So, <laughs> no, it never got that bad with her family. But I think my family was the loudest house in the street. It was five kids. You know, we were all unruly, ungodly, drugs, everything else, man loud, just, you know, obnoxious kind of family at times, just the way we just communicate with you. Now, we loved each other in the worldly way, right? We, you know, but at the same time, when there were fights going on, wow. It's like, I remember one of my sisters, I won't say which one, coming, I was sitting, remember the beanbags were popular? This must have really scarred my heart because I can remember this so good to this day. <laughs> and coming up behind me, and I'm sitting on the beanbag watching television, probably 13, 14 years old, and I remember her shaking my head like a pit bull. <laughs> And running off, you know, I'm like, man, I must have got her really mad. And I was like, I didn't just think that. I'm like, ah, crying, you know. And it's like, 
That's just, you know, that's how we are before Christ. Amen? I never have to worry about my wife coming up behind me, pulling my hair, okay? I know she loves me, okay? You come to Jesus, he changes you, amen? Now, you're a believer before you get married, and you think, man, you got it going. You're walking strong with the Lord. You're walking in the light as he's in the light, and you're going forward. You get married, boom, he starts to show you things, amen? Areas that you need, where you need help in your heart. You can, all the people are, that are married are smiling, laughing, shaking their heads, yeah, because he shows you areas that you need to work on, you know? <laughs> and he does show you things that you need to work on, but you have to work on them. You can't just ignore them. You have to say, Lord, help me grow in this area. And that's the beauty, because I'm telling you right now, when I was a brand new Christian, a few years before I got married, I was the only believer in my house, and I was witnessing to the, my, my, the other siblings. And I was just becoming aware of spiritual warfare as far as a warfare as it manifested when you, in your interpersonal relationships. I was becoming very aware of it in the world system. We expose a lot of it, right? How Satan uses Hollywood, how he uses music. And we're not, right now we're working on DC Marvel and some of the agenda there with some of the writers that admit they have an agenda. Got to be careful. And, but, but I was already doing that, but all of a sudden, I'm seeing my family members, so I'm sharing the gospel. I didn't realize how polarized the name of Jesus is. Even to those who claim to be, have some kind of religious background to a degree, nobody, none of us are following Jesus. And man, some of those sharing Jesus, all of a sudden, there was like, it was like, whoa, man, come out of her in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes the reactions, it was like, whoa, they're freaking out. And I had to make sure that I didn't do what I used to do which the whole family had done to a degree, was escalate and get louder together. And I would go to my room and get on my knees and say, Lord, help me not to get loud with them. Help me not to do that. Help me just love them and be patient with them. And that was a good place for me to grow in the Lord. And that's a good way to grow is praying, God. So when you blow it and you're like, man, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I responded in that way, you know. Because I remember sharing with one of my sisters and she got belligerent. And I remember... You know, not using bad language or everything, but being strong on the way back, back and forth. And I felt convicted. I got on my knees. And then I noticed the more I got on my knees, and not just that, I remember certain things that came out of my mouth because I've got a pretty quick wit at times, you know. And I had to be really careful. I thought, I've got to be very careful what I say as a joke now. I can't joke like I used to joke. I knew that. And I intended not to. But there were times where I was like, man, I shouldn't have said that. I felt conviction. And I got on my knees. I'd go in my room, get on my knees and say, Lord, no, he never go... Let me not try to fit in. Let me not say anything that are beyond the pale, right? I wouldn't use language and stuff like that, but just things with our quick wit, we have to be really, really quick, careful. You don't want to just say what comes into your mind. You don't want to be proud. Well, people think they like me because I don't have a filter. The Bible doesn't commend not having a filter. The Bible wants you to have a filter big time because out of the heart come all kinds of evil things, it says. So we're supposed to make sure that we have a filter, and it's called the Jesus filter, amen? amen? Where we screen everything by the word of God, and we make sure we test everything we say before we let it out of our mouths, amen? So uh, it's important that we know now, when you look at verse 25, you know, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, earlier it says, speak the truth in love. When I do marriage counseling, that's one of the verses I use often, because that would, that would get people through a lot of their problems, you know? My wife and I, by the grace of God, okay? And I'm so happy that from day one, my wife and I weren't perfect in our, not that we're close to perfect, no, we're not, but I'm glad we've had, we had to go through some things because how could I counsel people? Oh, well, I don't understand what you're going through. I've never, I've always been perfect, my wife and I. 
You know, I wouldn't be much help, you know. Uh, but but be, be speaking the truth in love. So you, you should be loving the other person, speaking the truth to them, not hiding things, not lying, but speaking truth in love, in a loving way, where you're concerned about the other people. The Bible says don't just look at your own interests, but look at the interests of others. That, if I actually do that, that's going to reflect in how I speak to people. Amen? And if you're married, you've got to be especially careful because it's not just about you. I remember doing premarital counseling with a couple, and when I shared with them during the course of premarital counsel that I give the illustration of two parasites, like two fleas. All they're doing is sucking the blood out of each other if they're married, so to speak. They don't do it like that, but they're just, and they're killing each other because they're just about themselves. What kind of relationship is that? And I go, you need to consider the other person love them. And to the guy, it was like a revolutionary thought. It's like, that's, I never thought about it, but I shouldn't be just in this relationship for me. I should actually give to her, you're saying, and, and love her back. Yeah. That's how that works, you know? And I thought, wow, our world is so backwards. It's all about us. And you have to be in relationships, not just marriage relationships, but relationships with people, whoever you are, married, single, or whatever, that you are a giver, that you're considerate, that you consider how people are going to be affected by your speech. Amen? That we're loving uh, one another. It's very, very critical. Now, look what he goes on to say here. Verse 27, and do not give the devil an opportunity. This is, this is huge, guys. I'm trying to tell you something that's very, very important. When you are fighting with someone and you're, emotion, and you're hurt emotionally because of something somebody else has said and you're tempted to retaliate, a lot of times there are demonic forces there whispering into your heart, trying to prod you along to encourage you to say something destructive, to make it more flammable. These words, our tongues can be set on fire, the Bible says, from where? From hell. That's a, an expression for satanic powers. When Jesus said, I'll build my church at the gates of what? Hell will not prevail against it. He was talking about satanic forces. There are satanic forces that want to encourage you to use your tongue in a destructive way. That's why even this message is spiritual warfare. Because there's habits that some of you may have built through the years to where you use colorful language and you call it colorful because, or you think it's okay, and God's convicting you and the devil's on the other shoulder, so to speak. Ah, oh, this is going a little too far. It's okay that you, I use, you use these words. Come on, he's just being a square or whatever. No, you know, or whatever, you know, the de- whatever the devil is, he's being prude or whatever it is. I'm being biblical, man. I'm telling you God's heart. And he wants us to amend our hearts and our tongues and the way we speak. Cut bad words out. In fact, he goes on to say, it's pretty heavy. He, he goes on to talk about uh, verse 29. Let no what? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. If, I, if someone had to go to the bathroom and they got up and they said, I got to go take a, and they use S-H-I-T word. See you guys, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to take a, would some of you be offended? Be honest. Would some of you be offended? Yeah, yeah Diane? A lot of us would be, whoa, you know? I remember a lady got up at a church I went to as a new Christian, and she used the BS word right from the pulpit. The pastor let her speak. I said, I think that's the last time he's going to let her speak. He didn't see it coming. You know, it was like a, a, a gasp, like, whoa, man. And she was flaunting her supposed liberty, you know. And when words are considered offensive to other people, it may not even be offensive to you, should you really use it? 
It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is what? Good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will, be, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Does using bad language give grace to people? No. 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 As believers, let's not talk like that. Amen? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's interesting because it's interesting that Isaiah was grieved because of his tongue when he saw the angels proclaiming, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He felt grieved in God's presence. Well, guess what? If we adopt unhealthy language and we use colorful words, wicked words, evil words, destructive words, we're grieving if we're Christians we're grieving the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We're hurting the heart of God. And these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way. All Scripture is inspired by God, amen? Holy men were moved by the Spirit of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. I'm quoting words from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit telling us that He's grieved when we talk like, when we use unwholesome speech. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to be able to deal with your tongue unless you deal with your heart. Because he's dealing with anger and malice in the heart now. Because Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. So you can try to work on your tongue all you want, but it really is a problem of the heart. First of all, will we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us? Second of all, will we say in response to the Holy Spirit's conviction, yes, I need to change. I need my heart to change. Because your tongue, you will not change if your heart doesn't change. So we need to have metanoia, change of heart, change of mind, which brings a change of action, a change of behavior, the fruit of repentance. Amen? And instead of being malice and angry, so if you're dealing with a lot of anger and malice toward others, recognize that you deserve the wrath of God as much or more than they do. And it's by God's grace that he saved you, and therefore you ought to have mercy on others. Jesus, as Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, amen? So you should be having a heart where you're like, Lord God, help me be full of mercy. Help me be full of forgiveness toward others, amen? And, and instead of having a heart of malice, because I've been around people, you know? I just go to my kids' games, grandkids' games and stuff, baseball and football this time of year, depending on the grandkids. And sometimes you hear people talking in the stands and you're like, I've been, I've been behind, in a holy huddle behind stained glass windows too long. I'm like, whoa, can't believe how people talk. Or I'll be going through the check stand. And I'll, I've heard a couple young kids before, I mean, just not too long ago, talking to each other as though I'm invisible, using really evil, terrible language. And I'm like, over and over, I'm like, wow, man. God, my grandkids not here right now. I'd have to like, ah, ah, talk over them or something, you know. Hey, want a mounds bar? And it's like Chad sees the boys. It's like, how come you guys are full, have all those candy bars, you know? Because it's like so wicked how it's becoming more and more perverse. But if you go right along with them and talk how they're talking, it's not going to convict them. It's not going to draw them to Christ. They're just going to think that you're a hypocrite or, you know, you're just like them. But we need to do the opposite. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, that's, so we need to have forgiving, loving hearts and pray for people, recognizing that we deserve wrath. We deserve God's judgment. And God, Jesus died for them just as he died for me. And I need to look at other people through the prism of the cross. I need to look at other people through the prism of Christ's blood. Through what he did for me is how I ought to look at other people, that he also did that for them. Amen? And that's how I need to treat other people as those that Christ died for. 
Then in chapter 5, he goes on to talk about the tongue a little more here. Look what he says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God, as a flagrant aroma, a, a fragrant aroma, verse 3. But immorality and impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must not be what? There must be no what? Filthiness, Okay. Silly talk or coarse jesting, okay? That would be talking that's contrary to the word of God. Thank you, Jonathan. He gives me the 15-minute sign. I, I begged him to do that. Like, you sure? Yes. The 10 and the 5, too? He's so kind of like, give me the 10-minute and the 5-minute, too. I need that, okay? Uh, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk, of course, jest or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Wow. Coarse jesting. Okay? Do you have a set of jokes you tell Christians, but then another set of jokes that you won't tell Christians because you know they're bad, but you'll still tell them to workmates? That's wrong. May the Lord God convict you, and may you say, I'm not going to go there. Well, then they won't laugh at my clean jokes. Well, then maybe they ought not be laughing that day, and maybe they need to be repenting. And you share the gospel with them. Okay? Maybe they need some taste, and they need a new heart. Amen? And I don't think it's right to laugh at coarse jesting. There used to be a restaurant in here in town, and the guy would drink that owned the restaurant. It was a great food, man. I don't even say what kind of food because everybody would think, oh, that was only one of those there. And he'd get drunk. The guy would come, because if I took my family there at night, which we'd gone there maybe four or five times, uh, and I probably went there 10 times without them, and I brought them maybe three or four times. And if I went in the lunchtime and at lunchtime and grabbed a sandwich, no big deal. But if I went and sat down and it was later at night, he'd be drinking. He'd come over. You could see he was sauced, man. And then all of a sudden he proceeds to tell a joke. And it's a dirty joke. And it, I could tell where it's going right away. I said, oh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Nicely kind. I said, hey, come here. Took him aside. I go, hey, you know what? Can you not tell dirty jokes, man? I'm here with my wife and my family, and we're Christians, and uh, we just don't find that funny, man. But, uh, but I lo you love your restaurant. It's great that I go sit down. Comes back. Has another joke. It was a clean joke, so it was okay, you know. But we have to be very, very careful, you know. And then when he ever saw me, then he knew he'd always, hey, I have a clean joke, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> uh, anyway, he goes on to say uh, in verse 5, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or impure person, that means coarse jesting, telling dirty jokes, and the other sins he mentions, or a covetous man who is an idolater has what? An inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be what? Partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness. We were part of that world. We were in darkness. But now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children light. He's telling us, walk as children light. You don't want to be, because if you live this impure life, know with certain, don't let anyone deceive you, you won't inherit the kingdom of Christ. But you'll be partakers with the wrath, the children of wrath, sons of disobedience. That's heavy language. That's serious. That means, guess what? We want to be right with God, right? We want to inherit the kingdom of Christ, right? That means we should not have our lives and our hearts and our tongues characterized with evil, abusive speech and coarse jesting. 
Are you still with me? Praise God. Now, uh, Ephesians 5.4, the NIRV puts it this way. Uh, it says, there must not be any bad language or foolish talk or dirty jokes. They're out of place. Instead, you should give thanks. Okay? So filthy language, crude joking, unwholesome talk is all ungodly. And don't make excuses for it. Repent of it. Amen? Turn from it. In fact, a lot of times we just say way too much. In Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says, uh, say yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Be careful in what you say. It's about swearing oaths in that context. In Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says, but I tell you that everyone will, uh, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Wow, that's heavy. Let me read that again. Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. Are cuss words words that are filled with love and goodness and meaning or are they empty words? They're not just empty words, they're actually destructive words, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5, or 15, verses 10 and 11, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth, that is what defiles them. When you speak evil words and destructive words and destructive jokes and abusive speech, you're defiling yourself. Now, the enemy can put it in your heart, but you need to cast it down and repent. Amen? In fact, James, you say, well, you know, a lot of people, oh, I'm a Christian, but they have a potty mouth. Talk like a sailor, a cussing sailor, right? Well, James 1.26 says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Your faith is a sham. James 1.26, I'll read it again. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So if you have a loose tongue and you're not concerned about it at all, your faith is worthless. James says later in chapter 2, just a few verses later, faith without works is dead. True faith will respond, be reflective in the fruit of your lips. Bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. And every tree that doesn't bear fruit, John says, we cast into the fire. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about the fruit of our lips and how important they are. Amen. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. The Lord hates a potty mouth. Okay? It's very, very important that we get this. I love this. Uh, Proverbs 21.23. It says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Okay, that's important. Okay, it's important. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by, the words, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So I read what I read before at the end there, but read a little bit more. It comes from the heart, guys. It reveals what's in your heart. That's why I started with the physician saying, when he gives you a checkup, often stick out your tongue. It's going to tell you what's wrong with your body. The Lord looks at your tongue. He tells you what's wrong with your spirituality. And if you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, he says what? Your faith is worthless. Your religion is worthless. This is all very, very important. In fact, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.16, it says godless chatter. It's important. Godless chatter leads to more ungodliness. So just godless chatter, you're around godless chatter all the time, it can lead, it's going to lead to more ungodliness. I've seen two different secular studies in the past, one from a university, that those who listen to secular music in time become more promiscuous on average. Well, yeah, because they're hearing a lot of godless chatter, especially if they're listening to a lot of that rap music that's around. Or, I mean, think about a lot of the country music. I'm talking about secular country music. Adultery, right? Drunkenness. You know, you know what happens when you listen to a country song backwards? You get your car back, your dog back, and your wife back. And you get out of prison. And you get sober. We can keep adding the list, you know. Because forward, that's what it's all about. Proverbs 4.24 says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Amen? Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about Hitler, right? And those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. What do we do? We've seen the problem. We've talked about some of the things we need to do instead. But a few things I want to mention to you, and I mentioned this already, but I want to emphasize it by backing up with a couple of scriptures, is you need to pray. You need to pray. During worship, uh, when Gerald led us in worship today and the worship team, uh, we were singing, I love you, Lord right? And I lift my voice, right? Lift my voice to worship you, amen? What a beautiful song. I added some words to that. I lift my, you know, I lift my voice, right? And then I, sometimes when I sing, I'll just, when, driving out the car recently, I lift my hands. Instead of, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears, let it be a sweet, sweet sight in your eyes. Not that you have to do that, but I love that. It's not, but it's kind of dangerous when you're driving, you know, the elbows, you know. <laughs> Drive with my elbows sometimes, which I do. Usually not on curves uh, when I'm praising the Lord sometimes. But I'm telling you right now, I love what Gerald did with that song. Because when we're singing that song, he said, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Our voices. We need to be praising the Lord. And in Ephesians, he says, instead of using your voice, your mouth to being destructive words, he said to use it to praise him. To give thanks, he said. Instead, give thanks, he said. Amen. So singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, this is what he tells the church at Ephesus to do in that same book. Amen? Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Give thanks instead of using your words in a destructive way. Amen? And then pray, because that song's a prayer. Let it be a sweet, right? Sweet sound in your ears we're singing. And then Gerald says, let's, and then when Gerald said, let's sing that again, then I was like three, four times, four or five times, he sang, uh, let it, and we sang together, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. We're praying that. 
And I love that. And he moved to tears, you know, through that. And he's cried out to the Lord, and we ought to be crying out to you, Lord. What are we praying? We're praying that our words would bless him, and it would be a sweet sound in his ears, amen? That glorifies God. That's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We bless him instead of grieving the Holy Spirit, amen? So it's important that we pray that our hearts and our tongues are right. And that's what we're instructed in Scripture. Listen to this. It commands us to pray about it. Because remember James chapter 3? No man can what? Tame the what? Tongue. tongue. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we all stumble in many ways. James says we no one can tame the tongue, so I don't have to. Uh, wrong. He's saying not to stay there. He's saying it shouldn't be good water, pure water, fresh water coming out, and bad water coming out. The same deal. That ain't right. That's not consistent, he's saying. Well, wait a minute. He says no man can tame the tongue. Yeah, no man can tame the tongue. But guess who can tame the tongue? The Lord God. Apart from him, we could do nothing. But through Christ, we can do, Paul says, all things. Amen. And that's why we need to pray about our tongues. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. It's a prayer. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That should be an earnest prayer. Lord, please help me not say anything that's bad, that, that grieves your Holy Spirit, that tears other people down, that hurts other people. Lord God, please, that should be one of our prayers, amen. That's Psalm 141.3, if you're taking uh, notes. Psalm 19.14, another prayer. May the words of my mouth, I love this. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, right, be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, and I pray that just when I'm in my daily life, Lord. You know, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart glorify you. May they be pleasing to you. That should be part of your daily prayer, perhaps. You sit down to pray. Sometimes if I'm praying for my food, that'll come out of my mouth. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be, be glorifying you. May they be pleasing to you. See, I love that. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 13 and 14, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Make bad words negotiable. Can, are you convicted and encouraged a little bit tonight? Make sure you just make bad words un, un, non-negotiable. Make them non-negotiable. I just don't let those words come out anymore. Well, what's my wife going to think? She'd probably be really happy. Wait, she cusses too. Well, hopefully you'll convict her. Or what's my husband going to think? Do it for Jesus, amen? Do it because you love him. Do it for the kids if you're married and you have kids. Do it, do it if you're single and praise God. Jesus was single. Paul was single. You think they went cussing, out, cuss, uh, cussing everywhere they went and using bad language? No, absolutely not, okay? Uh, so it's important. Rather, and that's Ephesians 5, by the way, chapter 3, verse 4. It says, not to let this corrupt words come out of your mouth earlier in Ephesians. And then he says that you should, rather, he said you should give thanks, verse uh, 4, okay? And... Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt, uh, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up others. Amen? Amen? So instead of using bad words, use words that encourage other people. Take the blinders off and say, Lord, help me think about other people. And words, use words that can encourage them in their walk to the Lord. Or if they don't know the Lord, that could help them know the Lord and help, him, help them to come to Jesus. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for out of the overflow of the heart, so the mouth speaks. Well, that means if I'm speaking out of the overflow of my heart, man, may the Lord Jesus fill my heart. May the Holy Spirit fill my heart. May Philippians 4, 8, right? Think on these things that are true, right? Beautiful, praiseworthy, excellent, and so forth. May my mind not be in the gutter. Now, sometimes it's indicative, as I mentioned earlier, that we simply need a new heart. 
Some of you listening right now by live stream, here or wherever, maybe you've been coming to church for a little bit and you're trying to make your walk better, but you don't really have a walk because your heart hasn't changed and you need to be born again. You need to make sure you're born again. So if you could say, if you could say wow, I've never really repented and turned from a life of rebellion against God and sin. I've been just trying to work on a couple things. But, I need, but you need to be born again because Jesus said you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, amen? You need to make sure you're saved and you're putting your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross and understand they died for you. He was buried, he rose again. And understand if you turn from a life of rebellion and repent and turn to him in faith, amen, he'll change your heart. And guess what it says in Psalm, in Ezekiel 36, 26? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, amen? That's what we need is a heart of flesh, Amen. And you'll be forgiven if you come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to be right. I want a new heart. And you might be saying, well, no, Joe, I've already been born again. I've known the Lord, but man, my, my mouth has been in the gutter lately. Well, then you need to repent. You're in a backslidden state. No, 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 no. I, I'm not cheating on my, uh, my wife or I'm not, you know, involved in, in sin. I'm not like stealing from people. I'm not, uh, I'm just cussing all the time and, 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 and I'm telling dirty jokes. Yeah, you're backslidden. That's backslidden. That means your heart's, you know, I just read to you, the scriptures say that if you're not keeping a tight rein in your tongue, your faith is worthless. So you're backsliding, you need to repent and be serious about your walk, amen? amen. And that's very, very serious. And, and the scriptures talk about in 1 John 1, 9, in 1 John 1, 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. All sin. Amen. And 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? all unrighteousness. Amen. So I want to encourage you, if you've known the Lord and you've been walking with him, but you've kind of fallen in this area, to, to ask for cleansing. And he's faithful and just to cleanse you. And the last thing I want to mention that you can do, besides repenting metanoia, besides asking for cleansing, besides making sure you're using your lips to praise him. Amen. And, uh, the, and worship him and using your lips to build people up. And all these things we've talked about, praying that God would change your heart. Last thing I want to encourage you to do is use your mouth to share the good news of Jesus Christ, man. Get on the streets and go witnessing, man. Use your mouth for the reason it was made, to, to praise God, amen, and to, and to be fishers of men, soul winners, amen. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, 14 and 15, it says, how, uh, how then shall they call on, on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Amen? Amen. And dare I say, how beautiful their tongues are too. Amen? Amen? Because if you have a heart to win the lost and you have a heart to glorify the Lord, and that's what you use your tongue for, and the great physician says, stick out your tongue, he's going to say, praise God. Well, he's not going to say praise God. He is God. But, you know. <laughs> Jesus might say praise the Father, right? So I want to encourage you guys. I'm two minutes over right now. Not too bad. But I want to encourage you guys to, to, you know, press on in Jesus. Amen. Go forward in him. And, and how many of you, be honest, are like, God's convicted me and I'm going to definitely be implementing what you're talking about. You don't have to raise your hands. Praise God. That's cool though. Amen. You sure are. Amen. So, you know, I'm raising my hand. You know, so I don't have to raise your hands, but all of us need to, I, I want to grow and use my tongue more to witness and praise and build up and encourage and give thanks. Amen. Let's all make sure we do that.
But there, I, God forbid anybody would leave here and have a potty mouth and not repent because you're more concerned about your reputation with a potty mouth at work or wherever it is. No, be more concerned about the one who is being worshipped right now who's holy, holy, holy. Be more concerned about the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're a believer who's grieved and repent and bring joy to the heart of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you so much for all of our brothers and sisters here. Father, we pray that you would set a guard over our mouths and no evil thing would come out of our mouths. We pray that you would change our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. For those who are not saved, who don't know Jesus, that they would know, as your word says, as we just read in Ezekiel, that that you'll give a heart, a new heart, Father. Put a new spirit in them and exchange that stony heart, that hard heart, that evil heart into a heart of flesh that beats and loves you. And Father, if if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, in your son's name, they turn to you and receive a new heart and a new mouth and give you glory and confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior with their mouths. And Father, for those of us who know you, who've allowed words to creep in we ought not say that can, can be considered obscene by others or who allow ourselves to say things we ought not say about people or to people when we're upset. Father, bring us to a point where there's non-negotiables. We don't even go there. It's not even something we consider saying because we know it's off limits and grieves your Holy Spirit. Let the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths be pleasing to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Can we all please stand? Now.